On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be joined by Ben Scrivens of Fright Rags as we discuss 1981's Halloween 2, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. The trick or treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. I shot him six times. Amazing grace, come sit on my face. Don't make me cry. I need your pie. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 60. This is Brandon. And as always with me is your Mr. Cullen. Bring me a dream. Make him the cutest co-hoster that I've ever seen. Uh, apparently my audio cut out for a moment. So that's a little behind the uh, the curtain action for everyone out there. Enjoy! <laughs> Today we are here to discuss Halloween 2 from 1981. Cullen! Where does Halloween night 1978 go on from where we left off? After failing to kill stubborn survivor Lori and taking a bullet, or six, from former psychiatrist Dr. Sam Loomis, Michael Myers has followed Lori to the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, where she's been admitted for Myers' attempt on her life. The institution proves to be particularly suited to serial killers, however, as Myers cuts, stabs, and slashes his way through hospital staff to reach his favorite victim. Halloween 2 is mostly directed by Rick Rosenthal, written, scored, and saved by John Carpenter. Stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, Lance Guest, Pamela Susan Shoup, Leo Rossi, Nancy Stevens, Dick Warlock, and Dana Carvey. Also returning from the first film is cinematographer Dean Cundy. We hope you have been enjoying your overload of Cult Cinema Cavalcade this October with the Shocker episode and not one but two Jason X episodes. The one with the Todd Farmer interview and our most recent one with just the discussion of the film. Lots of fun, but... We're going to continue the fun and bring even more prestige to this month as we welcome in from Fright Rags, Ben Scrivens. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. I'm a huge fan of your shop. Awesome, thank you. You dress me many days of the week, I will say. That's great. So, I appreciate it. Uh, do you want to tell people what exactly Fright Rags is that I'm so over the moon about? Well, we make kick-ass horror shirts. We're, we're big fans ourselves, and we try to make shirts and other apparel and accessories for, for like-minded fans. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You got some really good artists. I think you do. You use a lot of the same people that the like the Arrow Video and Scream Factory people use for their covers. Yeah, like Justin Osborne's one guy that does all those two and, and works with us pretty regularly. We always have him going on something because he's just such a great talent. But we use yeah a lot of different artists and definitely some people that have been on DVD covers and posters and stuff. So very fortunate to work with a variety of awesome artists. And you guys do like these little cool box sets too. It's not just limited to like shirts. You add little bonuses. Yeah, so we try to, you know, again, we try to have fun with it. Like, if we can think of something that would be cool, like, you know, we started bringing back those Ben Cooper-style masks a few years ago with different properties, or we've done things in the past where Day of the Dead, we actually went and got rocks from the uh, underground mine where they were, 
and put them in, in a box set and try to get autographs and things like that. So anytime we can think of something really cool and unique, we'll, we'll try to make it happen. I like your stuff so much that I, <laughs> a year or so ago, I lost about almost 100 pounds. Wow, good uh, and, for you. Yeah, and I had some of your shirts. I, you know, I was getting rid of my old clothes to never have to hopefully get in. But my fright rag shirts, I had to hold on to. I can't, I can't wear them. They look like a tent on me, but I'm like, I just can't let (laughs) go. Like particular when you had this really awesome Fright Night one from a few years back. Oh yeah. It was the the one with uh, Rodney McDowell. It was like almost a redone poster. I love that one. So I just try and convince my wife, maybe, Hey, could you shrink this somehow? But yeah. Might have to start cutting them out and putting them on like new shirts. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If I had that talent, (laughs) I'm sure I may know someone who does. Your social media is really fun too. Your Instagram account in particular, I like a lot. Thanks. Yeah. We try to keep it fun and interesting. But before we get into the movie, let's take a moment to hear from our friend, Tom Labrie. Some pretty good movies and some easy conversation. Hi, I'm Tom Labrie, and all this is brought to you by Labrie's Waterbed. Over the years, I've told you a lot about flotation sleep, but the main thing I've always believed in is this. A waterbed is superior in comfort to a conventional bed, and it's less expensive. What has bothered some people is the slight rocking motion of a waterbed particularly if there is a weight difference between yourself and your sleeping partner. Well, at LaBreeze, we have the largest and best selection of waveless mattresses anywhere. If you have been one of those who always liked the idea of a waterbed but didn't like the motion, I urge you to come in and see our on-the-water specials and let one of our experts give you a demonstration and let you lie down on one yourself. Believe me, you'll be amazed. These great mattresses start at just $49.95. Remember, with LaBreeze Waterbeds, where our reputation rests on your good night's sleep. And now, let's get back to the movie. Halloween 2, which you picked the first Halloween, but then we kind of compromised at Halloween 2. Is we, <laughs> we're not, like, Halloween, is my, our listeners and my readers in the past from things, obviously know it's my favorite movie, and I've written tons of pieces and stuff on it, but I was like, pain me to go, ah, oh, we can't, we got to keep with the show. So we went to Halloween 2. Yeah, that's cool. Which is cool. Which you are you big Halloween series fan? Is that one of your favorites? Your favorite of the slashers? Yeah, I mean, you know, I saw. I mean, I wouldn't. There would be no Friday Rags today if there was no Halloween. I mean, I saw that when I was four years old, and that changed me. And that's pretty much <laughs> what got me into horror. So, the original Halloween is by far my favorite movie of all time, horror or not. Like that is the one movie that is the single desert island movie if I ever had one. And I mean, as much as I have other favorite movies, that one stands high above the rest. Colin, I promise I did not plan for three of us on this show <laughs> this month to have our like Brian Collins, who was on the last episode, mm-hmm. his favorite his favorite film of all times, Halloween two or mm-hmm. not Halloween two, Halloween comma T O O yeah as well. And you've just well, re- recently unleashed a line of Halloween, Halloween two, and Halloween three shirts in your shop too. Yeah, yeah, we've we've uh, you know we've we've released released all three is before but we had new ones to come out this year so it was pretty big last month and a half for us because we had a huge release with halloween two and three and then with this release with halloween one just uh yesterday and uh in in fact this past weekend we hosted an event where we flew pj souls in and a year ago i bought a 35 millimeter original print of halloween so we screened that in our town with PJ Souls, and that was a great weekend. That's awesome. Great. That's a lot better than some places where they say, like, oh, we're showing Halloween, but it's just like a yeah. DVD blow up. And, yeah. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes the digital looks fine, but yeah, this, I mean, 
being an original print, I mean, it's definitely rough. I mean, the thing's almost 40 years old now, and it's definitely fading, and, and it's got a bunch of just pops and stuff. But it, it, it adds so much character, and it's just cool to like watch like an original print that was being in circulation 40 years ago, and watching it right next to PJ was like wild. It was like this is so weird. Well, she wears a shirt of yours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) well that's the thing she was wearing a totally shirt that we put out it was definitely pretty wild but she is so amazing and we had a great weekend together so it was was a lot of fun Halloween 2 coming in 81 which was never a planned sequel Halloween was just supposed to be Halloween and then the slasher boom happened and Universal Pictures Dino DeLaurentiis get the rights and they're like well we're going to capitalize on this we're going to bring the bring the original guy back and they coerce Carpenter to come <laughs> back in at least in a producer role and they they try to get Tommy Lee Wallace to direct he declines and they wind up with Rick Rosenthal who I wasn't really familiar with much of his work before that I don't know if he all. did too like, much before that he could have I don't remember either you know they go out they bring back Dean Cundy which I think the the MVPs here are Cundy and Carpenter behind the scenes because the first three Halloweens have this aesthetic to them that Cundy brings that they mm-hmm. all feel related. Like this one, aside mm-hmm. from some clothing differential, like Dr. Loomis's trench coat does not match the old footage from the first one quite handily, and the wig on Jamie Lee Curtis is obviously oh, off. Oh, the wig. Oh, is, my yeah. God. <laughs> but, but, I mean, everything else is pretty close. They got a lot of the same crew back, too, and yeah. I know that helps. But, yeah, you're right. Dean Cundy, you know, it's funny because I always, not to tangent from this, but, like, even Halloween 3 always felt like a Carpenter movie to me. You yeah. know, like, it just feels Carpenter. Obviously, the score. But, uh, but yeah, Halloween 2 was, I think, what probably makes it so successful, at least in my eyes, is the fact that it feels exactly like the first one for the mm-hmm. most part. You know, like, on the poster, it says, more of the night mm-hmm. he came home. And it does feel like that. It's just like, all right, this is just like, it it does feel immediately, except for like, you know, that wig. Other than that, spot on. Yeah. I mean, they do shoot. It's weird. This one, they make a choice to shoot Michael Myers' eyes in close-ups. You can see his Mm -hmm. actual eyes sometimes. But with the revelation of the sister thing towards the end, they're trying to make him a little more but he was a person or something like that. And maybe that's the choice. I've never really known that, but they did have eyes. But how can he absorb uh, six bullets? If right. he is seven, a well, seven, you know, it's seven bullets in Halloween too. Yeah, <laughs> that magic bullet. The magic bullet. <laughs> I think there was a gunman on the grassy knoll, but I could be wrong about that. I think <laughs> it's there was true. one other guy. It, it was it, actually two people. It was the neighbor that said he'd been trick or treated to death that night. That was... <laughs> hey, speaking of that, you know who did the voice? Of it was that, Tommy right? Lee Wallace, right? Yeah, it was Tommy Lee Wallace. Yeah. I think he was actually in the robe too, but it was definitely the the ADR mm-hmm. was. In. <laughs> well, that just cracks me up. Like he's coming outside, like like, hey, you damn kids, turn down that music. Like there were gunshots <laughs> next to your house. You Is need that to a be prank or what? Yeah, you need to be upset in a different way, man. You're <laughs> yeah. we... so chill about it. Yeah, that's where we yeah. start out. We we start out with saying the end of the first movie because that's what in the pre-VHS boom. I mean, VHS CED was available, but a lot of people didn't have them. You had to remind people mm-hmm. what happened in the previous movie. I think we talked about this one on one of our Friday the 13th episodes. Yeah, you know, you have to play the end of the first movie, but they add Mr. Sandman to it, which becomes a thing. There's a lot of things in Halloween 2 that become a staple that oh, Halloween yeah. 1 didn't do that people might think Halloween 1 did. Mr. Sandman, the, the brother-sister thing, aren't present till Halloween 2. Granted, they shot scenes during this movie for the television premiere of the first one because they had to cut it down and then pad the runtime, which add to the sister motif. And ironically, that television premiere is when I saw it. It was 1981. Oh, okay. And it's 
again, not to divert here, but uh, when I saw it and I was only four, you know, again, I didn't know anything. Nobody, you know, I was four, but uh, for years, and I mean like 20, or no, maybe 15 years, I should say, I was sitting here going like, I don't understand. There's some scenes in this movie that I don't, I remember, but I, I've never been able to see them because all I saw was a theatrical after that, at renting it in beta and VHS and Laserdisc and all that. And I was like, what the hell? Like, it, it, there were scenes. I remember scenes. I don't know. And then when the internet came around and it was like 1996 or seven, and I remember someone posting on a message board, like the first ever scenes of the television. And I, and I waited 45 minutes for like 10 images to load. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, there they are. And it was like resurfacing this memory from 15, 16 years before that. It was this crazy thing. But I always hated the brother sister storyline. I thought it was horrible. I was young enough. I didn't see it coming or anything like that. I thought it was right. kind of neat. And it's I don't I think it's not this I mean this movie has it but it's the fact that Halloween 4 decides to continue it on the family mm, thing yeah. is the one that really makes it because then they're like okay well we gotta have a the six one six ones like oh well she has babies after the baby and then they're you know they it's it's ridiculous it, well the thing is like and John Carpenter was contractually obliged to write the film and he didn't know what to do with it so he got drunk one night and said the only thing I can do is make a brother and sister yeah so it really felt shoehorned into it and again I go back to the fact that the only reason why I think it was a success as a movie like a great movie to watch is because of all the other things if it weren't for dean cundy and, and the feel and all that i think it would have been a really pretty awful movie and i, I just for me personally that brother sister thing always irked the hell out of me because halloween one is such a perfect movie and without those tv scenes which were shot for tv it is to me a quintessentially perfect movie and there was no inkling no whiff of a brother sister storyline in that movie because it didn't exist so mm-hmm. to just mm-hmm. completely rewrite history if you will in my mind and make that for part two. I'm like, no, you're duping me. Like, I'm not going to be duped. <laughs> That's not a real thing. <laughs> so I've always held, as a kid, watching one and two over and over and over again. Because this is before four came out. It's, I love two. I, obviously, we'll get into it more. But I just, that always just was like a thorn in my side. I'm like, no, I'm not buying it. Sorry. Ain't, not for me. You're not brother and sister. Like Even though I love like four. I love four. But, yeah. you know. It's I, like when Superman peels off the S in Superman 2. It's like, why is that mm-hmm. there? That helps no yeah, one. Exactly. I, you know, this is so weird. I think you know, the part of it, we'll probably get to it more when we get there, but like they brought Jamie Lee Curtis back, and Carpenter's logically yeah. thinking, why would he still be going still after be, her? Right. Mm-hmm. That's true, and that's a good point. I mean, again, I love part two. I think four is probably my favorite sequel, but mm-hmm. two is probably, I mean, I'm not counting three. I love three. I just count separately in the series, but two is so close to that i just think it's that brother and sister thing even though i know four continues it on with the family but i love you know the fact is part one ends beautifully and for him to continue to stalk her is it is a little weird although i can buy the fact that maybe he was just like hey i want to kill this chick and she's the one that got away so i'm going to keep going after i can buy that he's a completionist yeah exactly he's like listen i need the set of three girls i've like got two I need the brunette to, to finish it off here. <laughs> I've been following them around all day. I mean, yeah. you understand, right, folks? <laughs> exactly. Oh. Hey, listen, that's almost over. Halloween's almost over. I need to kill this chick off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh. He's just looking at his watch the whole time. He's like, man, <laughs> I'm cutting it close tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so we get the end of the first film. Michael falls. We get the neighbor trick-or-treated to death. And we get one of my favorite ever Dr. Loomis lines. It makes no sense. It's like, you don't know what death is. Like, oh, like, right. apparently neither is Michael because right. he hasn't died yet. <laughs> I, I do like he says, you don't know what death is. And then the music immediately oh, yeah. hits right after that. Like, okay, 
this movie's already awesome. And John Carver has cranked the synthesizer this time. There's a lot of people against the Halloween 2 soundtrack, but I kind of think it brings this like added gothic tone to everything that, I don't know. I, I, th- I enjoy think it. it's awesome, although the more I listen to it, there are certain tracks and then they get really annoying, like the high-pitched sounds where oh, I'm just yeah, listening to it in the car. So yeah. I'm just like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> But you know it's funny. I back in the day, again, this is before internet or whatever. I didn't. I wanted the soundtrack, so I put my boombox up next to my TV and I pressed record as soon as that came on, and I recorded the whole thing, the whole intro. Oh, nice. So for the longest time, all I would I would listen to that song, and all I would hear is death is and then it would start out because i clicked record as soon as he said I know what Remix. so for years it was just like death is and then it just start out but then my friend had the lp and he taped it for me when i was in probably a sophomore in high school or something and i would just walk around the halls of school and all that just listening to it in my tape player and i'm like this is the coolest thing so that was the first soundtrack i ever had for halloween and it was like the one i wore out Michael goes first person through the backyards of Haddonfield. He witnesses Loomis hysterically catching up with Sheriff Brackett, mentioning that shot him six times when we were all like, wait, that was seven. And he goes into an old couple's house, the Elrods, and she's making late night sandwiches. And they're watching. You want mustard on your sandwich? Yes, I love that. For some reason, that line just cracks me up. It's great. You want mayonnaise on your sandwich? And they're watching Night of the Living Dead, which is the movie that follows the thing that night in Haddonfield. Mm-hmm. Hell of a lineup. They're interrupted by the news report about the murders, and Michael goes in, takes her knife, and as she goes back to grab it, she gets some blood on her, screams, and Michael and the knife are gone. By the way, how how rude is Michael? He leaves his blood not just on the counter, but all over that sandwich. I mean, <laughs> well, it's a little known fact. Mr. Elrod doesn't like mustard on sandwich but he likes blood so <laughs> it's actually he was doing him a favor so you know let's not be too hard on the guy so what you're saying is he's a vampire so there's multiple monsters in this movie right. <laughs> it's uh, in the next halloween i don't want to give away too much but uh, uh, <laughs> mr Elrod is alive and well so a girl comes out from a house nearby concerned and then goes back in her house talking to the phone, which her friend starts telling her about the murders. She hears a noise as Michael comes in the house, and she walks in a room. He pops up and kills her. Yeah. Literally like trampoline pops up. Yeah. Like that guy was on a spring waiting I, to just let go. I know. When that happened, <laughs> so I, funny. I, I, thought, I thought, oh, shit. And then I thought, wait, where were you coming from? <laughs> All I can think of is Beavis just going, boy, 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 boy. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is John Carpenter, he created a lot of these tropes and stuff that the 80s slashers were mimicking, borrowing, making their own spin on. And then he goes to make Halloween 2 and starts embracing what they're doing because he shot this scene with this girl that wasn't in Rick Rosenthal's original cut. He went back, Carpenter went back and shot a lot of this and fixed things, edited mm-hmm. things. Like, Rosenthal's cut's apparently terrible. But this girl getting killed was a Carpenter thing. He wanted to add more blood. He wanted to add another kill. And he, mm-hmm. this is John Carpenter's doing right here. John Carpenter's never really talked about what he's done with Halloween 2, which, fine. You know, a lot of people have insinuated certain things he's he's done to the movie. Yeah, he well, wanted to make it more marketable. And he yeah. Wanted, yeah. yeah. Things have changed oh. since his Halloween. Yeah. We go back to the Doyle house where cops and reporters are there. Two ambulance drivers, Jimmy and Bud, take Lori Strode out on a stretcher. <laughs> and at the hospital, a mom checks her son in who has apparently had a razor in his mouth, as Jimmy and yeah. Bud admit Lori. So that's like a little play on the whole razors in the apple. That the, <laughs> the neighbor that never gets caught but does it every year. Uh, well, I saw that. I, I just got pissed. 
like the the hairs on the back of my neck just stood up because this has never happened. Well, I think that's part of the joke. This is part of the joke. I I know, but some people don't get that. It's perpetuating the fear. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's never happened. The only time a kid has ever bitten into candy or an apple and there was like poison or a razor in it is when like a parent or someone else intentionally did it to that kid. There's no one in the neighborhood just handing out apples filled with razor blades. I don't because... know. My friends, friends, friends that it happened to him, so I don't know. Oh, yeah? Did they, ever, <laughs> did they ever catch the person? No. That's amazing, <laughs> considering it happened in their house, and it's easily right. traceable to where the... Ah. <laughs> mm. I don't even like apples. Why would I hand them to children? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the worst of, of it all, like getting an apple, and then you're like, I don't even want to eat this. Like, <laughs> like, why would you even eat that? Like, you have this pile of candy. Oh, the first thing you went for is an apple? Yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah. Not, even a, not even a caramel apple. Just exactly. an apple. Those are the houses that piss you off when you're a kid. You're like, what? Yeah. what? Apple? Yeah, that, that apple got chucked at somebody before I even got home. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it not only weighed my home. bag down. <laughs> and also, I think someone would... Uh, kids are not that stupid. They look at the apple like, hey... Why is there this big slit in the apple? Exactly. Why is this juice running down the apple? Oh, there's something metal sticking out of it. I should take a big bite right now. Uh, so Nurse Jill lets him know that Dr. Mixter has been at some party and is drunk. And as we see him asking Janet for some co- coffee, he's pretty stumbly. And uh, the p- people at the hospital seem to know who Lori is. They're like, hey, yeah. it's Lori Strode. Isn't that Lori Strode? And well, I think at that point it had been on the news, right? It, it felt like you yeah, walking it, into Cheers. Lori was not kind the of, popular girl at high school. <laughs> they alluded to the fact that her parents were the same party Dr. Mixter was. So, I, But you're right. Yeah. I don't It's weird because like, her dad's like a realtor. Right. This guy's a doctor. Like, what's yeah? That, I guess that was a little weird. I just attributed the fact that it's all over the news, and those cameras were all up in her business when they had her on the stretcher. So, I mean, that was on live on the news. So, I think that kind of I don't know. I could suspend my disbelief there. Yeah, uh, I just find it funny. It's uh, something I didn't notice, you know, when I first watched it back in the day. But when I, you know, when you're here, mm-hmm. like watching intently, you're like, oh, that's there's like three people. Like, oh, is that Laurie Strode? Is that Laurie right. Strode? Oh, look, it's, it's Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode. <laughs> and everyone in the town seems to know what's been going on because it's on the news, except Laurie's parents. Right. They seem right. The only people <laughs> that have no idea what's going on. Well, listen, far- if they were at the, the same party with Doctor Mixer, they were hammered. They were probably I, just right. <laughs> drunk. You know what? You know what it was? Key party. That's what was going on. <laughs> Key party. <laughs> no time for TV. <laughs> so that's great they give Lori a sedative meanwhile loomis and bracket are patrolling the streets looking for michael and then bracket seems to be tiring of loomis and angry because you let him out and they they, <laughs> they stop and see as they see a guy in a michael myers mask in a kind of a mechanic outfit he's wandering the sidewalk and then they give chase on foot and the, the guy he's got a blonde haired michael myers mask so you're immediately like come on he tries to cross the street and is hit by a cop car into a van and explodes, showing us that, you know, while the first film was an independent movie, this is a big studio production. <laughs> yeah. Brackett demands to know if it's him or not, and Loomis, he can't say anything. And then Sheriff Hunt pulls up. He reports that their bodies were found at the Wallace house and that Annie's dead. So, so a little trivia. Do you know who drove that car into the van? It's Dick Warlock who plays Michael Myers That's in right. the film. Yeah. Yeah a few different lines there's a few different takes of that exact thing where 
they say it differently and you see Dick Warlock more. It's pretty interesting. So he was just upset that someone else was dressed as Michael Myers. That wasn't actually yeah, part of the movie. Ex- exactly. Yeah, he's Myers. like, that's me. He's like, take my job, you son of a bitch. Bang! <laughs> <laughs> but that was like a Hollywood stunt show scene. Like, that's something you'd see if you were like no. an audience at Universal Studios. <laughs> I know! Totally. Like one of those shows you see like every every half an hour they have them. Yeah. Right. It's like, here comes the car into the guy, the boom and yeah. <laughs> But it, it did feel like still really sudden in this movie. I love that he's hit by a cop car too. That makes it even sweeter for me. I know. Yeah. To show how incompetent that police force is. To in that, to that van, right into you know, right into a van parked in the street. <laughs> yeah. It's think, amazing yeah. though. I think yeah, some blame has to be put on the guy in the van. <laughs> I think the van was filled with gasoline as well. Right, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> like completely was, filled to the brim. It's that that guy siphoning. Up. It was like uh, that Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they were siphoning gas into garbage cans, <laughs> and that was in the back. And oh. So the hospital staff's watching the news on TV as Jimmy visits Lori. Mrs. Alves comes in to report to Lori that she cracked a bone, and Jimmy offers Lori a, a Coke. You want a Coke? Can I get you something to drink? Come on, Jimmy, we gotta roll another coke in there. Okay, okay. Get you that coke later. Oh, my friend and I say that line all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and Lance Guest, he looks like a male version of Sigourney Weaver in this, right? Like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he just needs to be wearing the, the like, little oh, panties God. from Alien. Yes. Like, he's got like almost oh. almost the alien outfit. Like, he's got the hair. The, there's one thing that separates him from Sigourney is his pervy, I shouldn't say pervy, but he's way too into Lori, right? I mean, she's a teenager. He's he's into the victims, you know. That's where, that's where Jimmy jumps in. He's the oh, nice guy. Yeah. Maybe he just likes the wig. I don't know. You know, maybe he likes <laughs> girls who her hair who, poofs who just are like pretending mine. to be somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I don't know, but just every any time like he goes out of his way to see her, like does does she owe you money or? The what's, irony, what's though, is, is that he's so enamored, but she just had like the most horrible night of her life. Two of her best friends, yeah, yeah. she got, she got like sliced. And he's like, "Hey, want a coke? <laughs> like, I like yeah. you. Like, <laughs> when you get out of here, we should go do something." <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> she's, yeah, she's like experienced major trauma like here. A, an yeah. hour ago, she just found her friends dead across the street. Was chased mm-hmm. by a madman, stabbed by him. Like, then... I stabbed a guy in the eye with a coat hanger earlier tonight. I want to be like... alone. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, listen, if you're not doing anything in a couple of days, like, here's my number. <laughs> I won't do that to you, so it's good. <laughs> if you talk this out with a psychiatrist, look me up. <laughs> do you need a date? for the funeral of your friends I'm here I'm, I'm like, I'll be your plus one I'll be your plus one, one. I'll, oh, I'll, I'll bring the coke yes yeah. <laughs> this is Alves kicks him out and Bud says they have another call in at the Wallace house and they are immediately at the Wallace house as the bodies are being pulled from there and uh, Sheriff Brackett shows up he sees Annie closes her eyes breaks, one of them was Annie one of them was Annie <laughs> Oh, Lee, you gotta get down, Lee. Uh, <laughs> Go on home, Lee. Go on home. So he gets pissed at Loomis with the, you let him out. And Hunt pretty much shuts him down for the night. And he's convinced that the guy in the accident was Michael. But Loomis wants the autopsy to confirm it first. So he arranges to have a dentist meet him there in a half an hour. 
Nurse Karen, we see, is leaving a party on a random street where the guy's walking with a boombox. She's late for work. Oh, you mean uh, Young Beck? Young Beck, yeah. This is uh, this you, is. A... You know who that is, right? That's Dick Warlock's son. Dick's okay. That's Michael Myers' son right there. there. You go. He ran into his own kid. <laughs> That's why he leaves <laughs> yeah, he him go. Did. That's why he leaves him go. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, yeah. we see Michael's heading to the hospital. That whole sequence was added later by John Carpenter. So That part was? Yeah. I guess I didn't know that. But yeah. you know, that also was the same parking lot and area where Halloween 3 was filmed, too. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. John Carpenter had his little areas he liked. It's true. And, and those, they, the, that, that guy with those two girls bouncing along the street after Michael, I thought was the best thing ever when Michael turns the corner and that guy crosses the street with those two girls on either side of him and he's like kind of bouncing in his step as he walks by them. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. I just love that look. Halloween night, guy. <laughs> that guy was a pimp, man. Yeah. And he was just like walking across the street. I'm like, that was hilarious. Actually... I have a picture with Dick Warlock at that corner. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Nurse Karen does arrive at the hospital, and we see Michael in her rearview mirror. In uh, the break room and cafeteria, Bud, Janet, and Jimmy watch the news as Bud runs his mouth, and Janet gets pissed. The security guard is watching Night of the Living Dead 2, but he, as he doesn't notice Michael on the prowl outside, and he has to buzz in Nurse Karen, which buzzes in, like, apparently every door of the hospital, so Michael right. gets let in. <laughs> And Janet's trying to tell a serious story about how her friend might have spotted Michael earlier that day. And Bud doesn't take her seriously, and she gets pissed and leaves, and you get that. You don't have to swear, Bud. She's a goddamn moron anyway. Every other word you say is either hell or shit or damn. Sorry. I guess I just fuck up all the time. Julie's full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't escape the last night. That's the best. And he's smoking a joint, too, right? He's got the little... uh... Tweezers or oh, whatever. Was he? I think he might be, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he had to have been I mean, high. I mean, he's singing Amazing Grace. I mean, you know. That hospital so has, gross. That hospital oh. has one patient and a bunch of infants, so I mean. <laughs> exactly. Literally <laughs> he, he wasn't one doing patient much. in the entire hospital. The hospital is huge. He brought in, and they have one person. He's only brought in one living body to there <laughs> that evening. That deserves a joint. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Like, why not? <laughs> He knows he'll never live up to his co-worker, the last Starfighter. So he's he's sparking up. (laughs) Karen comes in and she just kind of gives a, you know, hey, how you doing to Bud? And Jimmy gets mad at Bud and tells him that he needs to start taking it all more seriously. And then Nurse Karen gets to her post and Michael hides from her in a room full of newborns. As we watch, as he witnesses Nurse Al scold Karen for being late. Jimmy once again talks in Lori's room about Michael Myers, revealing to her that he was the guy after her. She didn't know. She's like, oh, the little boy? And after that, Nurse Alves once again kicks him out. And she tries to make a call and notices the phones are down. And Janet reports it to the security guard, who gives her a walkie-talkie as he goes outside to investigate. But she, she can, Garrett. Yeah, Mr. Garrett! Oh. Mr. Garrett! <laughs> the most useless security guard ever in cinema i believe yeah, that guy wields a mean flashlight oh yeah you see the way he's switching hands with that thing like he <laughs> knows what he's doing he high fives himself in his head a lot he yeah uh, well he, he learned all that flashlight control with with uh hot dogs just practice every day <laughs> until he mastered it yeah he gives janet the blocky talkie which she just uh, does not know how to use he also gets scared of a, a cat jumps out of him we get a cat jump scare <laughs> To be fair, the cat didn't just jump at him. It looked like it attacked his neck. 
Okay. <laughs> it looked like it was trying to eat him. He enters a storeroom where there are plenty of tools, and Janet's just sucking at this and doesn't hear him telling her to get the sheriff immediately. He opens a door where random stuff falls out on him, and then he opens the next door and gets a little bit more confidence where he does the switch hand thing and closes the door, and Michael's there and hits him on the head with the spike of a hammer. That sound, too. Like mm. that ping, that that like little metal that always gets me. Oh, like it's a weird scene, but man, I love that sound. Like the, I mean, they don't like, even show much. It's more the sound no. that gets you. I assume the sound of metal hit, hitting skull. You know. Yeah. The morgue. The dentist is checking the teeth of the corpse, and they that they think is Michael, and the dentist thinks it's a teenager, which makes Loomis believe he's still out there, and Hunt gets all the police back on the job. I love the fact that he's like, the, the dentist is basically saying this kid's eight, about 18, and he's like, Michael Myers is 21. We have to get back out there. Like, <laughs> yes! In three years, in yes. three years, he got like tons of cavities. Like, what the, like, what does that mean? He's not eating the kid's Halloween candy. He's out killing people. Like, who, like three years. Like, it'd be one thing yeah. if like, yeah. this, this person's 10. Like, yeah. he's still got like baby teeth. But it's like, really? Like, that's your deduction there? Oh, he's 21, so he's clearly it's not him. Like, mm, I don't know, three years isn't a big deal for teeth. You know? yeah, right. Well, I, think, I think 20, that's the cavity year, right? I believe that's... Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone gets cavities, yeah. They could have just said, well, the wisdom teeth are still intact. And he's like, well, I had Michael's taken out when he was 15. Let's go. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, that would have been too much, uh, I don't know, exposition maybe. Who knows? I don't know if, if Loomis can make those kind of calls. <laughs> he's a doctor. I mean, come on. Sheriff Hunt and Dr. Loomis go back to the Myers house where an angry mob is throwing rocks at it, uh, showing anger and aggression. And Loomis says, The tribe, one of their number was butchered. This is the wake. It's the wake. I'm like, What is is that? Like, what is it? Oh, it's one of his funny lines. You know, it's interesting. You know that I didn't notice this until honestly, embarrassingly, years later. But you realize the setup they have there where Hunt offers him a cigarette and he takes one. Yeah. And he gives him the lighter, and Loomis never lights a cigarette, but he keeps the lighter. Oh, and, of yeah. course, that's what oh. he uses at the end. And I never really thought about that. Like, him pulling out a lighter at the end never really, I mean, whatever, okay, he's got a lighter mm-hmm. on him. But he kept Hunt's lighter. That's what he uses at the end. Oh, that's... I, didn't, I, didn't even, I didn't even think about that. But what I did notice was that the officer almost forced the cigarette on he Loomis. <laughs> he's, like, right? holding it out. like He's, like, jabbing it at him, like, take it. Take it, he does, he does like, like everything it. short of like put it in his mouth. <laughs> he does. And, he was, and even then, it's like uh, even after he has his cigarette, he's like, no, here's the lighter. Here's the yeah. lighter. Like, like just take the lighter already. <laughs> I feel better when I'm smoking with somebody. <laughs> I know, smoke alone. When they get there, they pull out weapons drawn. Like he's got a shotgun. The crowd hmm. settles. And he talks to Loomis about how quiet the town was until that night. And Loomis reminds him of Michael killing his sister. And I have to say, I've always like, I don't, you know, Hunt's not, the guy who plays Hunt's not the greatest actor or whatever, but the, his delivery of when he's smoking and talking about, oh, I remember, you know, I was, I this man. I was like, man, it's a yeah. really good delivery. Really helps. Well, 16 years old. Yeah. yeah I really like that like, delivery. I like him better than the sheriff from the first one, or, or at least in this movie. A little bit later on, like, all right, this cop doesn't like screw around. He's like, this is a, there's a murderer possibly out there. Let's get out there and catch him. Whereas in this one, the um, the sheriff before he leaves, he's like, he's like, 
doubting Loomis and he's just angry at him the whole time. Like, you got a job to do, dick. Like, well, his daughter just got killed. Yeah. Even before that, he was, you know, he said, like, I'm about done taking orders from you. Like, like, I'm sorry. He's the guy that knows the murderer the best. Maybe you should listen to him. It's like, you've been with him all night. It was just, I thought it was just kind of, I thought it was weird. Didn't care for it. I like when the other deputy comes up, he's like, you know, there's nothing there. And Hunt's like, check it again. Yeah, like, there's ain't nothing there. Check it again. It's like, <laughs> damn. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna go check it again. That's what I'm <laughs> talking about. He's like, he's he's not fucking around. He wants to get this murder taken care of. He's awesome. Yeah, I. Uh, he just wants to go home and smoke more cigarettes. Right. <laughs> I just want to sit in my my lazy boy and smoke my shotgun. Four cigarettes of people. I'll tell you what. The sk- <laughs> skipping ahead, the, the one of the best sheriff maybe in the Halloween universe is Meeker and Four. When Loomis oh, shows up, God. says Michael Myers, and immediately he's like, "All right, everybody, up curfew now in the town. We're closing <laughs> things down. We're gonna find that guy." It's like, whoa! I could have been crying wolf here, but man, Sheriff Meeker gets down to business. Well, that's just like what Earl said. If aliens land on his doorstep, all they have to do is spit once, and he gets himself shotgun. So, right. but, you know, Meeker's badass. So as uh, Loomis colors Michael's picture a little more creatively, uh, two kids show up looking for Bennett Tramer, Lori's crush from the first movie, who is drunk and wandering around with a mask on. So now they have confirmation for sure that it's not Michael's body. The cop lets him know that the school was broken into. It's funny, like, when people come to tell people something, like, shit happens rapidly in this movie. Like, you know, they they run into Michael or, like, Ben Tramer, blow him up, and then all of a sudden Hunt comes in. He's like, hey, they found bodies at the house, and it's Annie. Here it's like, oh, uh, Ben Tramer, our buddy's missing. Oh, blah, blah, blah. By the way, oh, hey, I'm a new person. School got broken into. Let's go. Yeah, you, you only see car scenes when Loomis has to deliver a monologue. Other than that, you're not inside a car. And when did he break into that school? Like, exactly yeah, like, at like, what point during the night did he decide, oh, you know what? Oh, shit, I got to go over to the school and break into that now. Oh, crap, I got to come back and kill Annie. Oh, man, it's a busy night. Yeah, yeah, I got like, to get the drawing what, out and put the knife yeah. in it. <laughs> then I got to write Sam Hain on the wall. Uh, mm. I'm going to get this gravestone up the stairs. God. <laughs> it's like well, Santa Claus, you know? He's got to do all this crap in one night. <laughs> Yeah, he left his knife there, right? So maybe it was after mm-hmm. he attacked Lori. Well, that would, well, that would, well you know what? Or no, that, that was the Elrod knife. That was the Elrod knife. Yeah, the Elrod knife. didn't even think about that until it was, right? Yeah. It was the yeah. Elrod knife. He's like, they're it never was. going to let me into the hospital with this. I better. <laughs> <laughs> I got to dump this off somewhere. That's right. No, that was That was absolutely that knife. Yeah, so it means between murdering that neighbor and getting a lift in the back of the nurse's car, he broke into this school, stabbed a drawing, <laughs> wrote on the wall, was like, all right, I'll show myself out, and then got in the car. <laughs> so He has got a lot he's got a lot on his to-do list. He really does. I mean, I hope he's using like an app or something like I guess this is 81 because like i'd forget all this like, he's probably got this like crumpled up piece of paper in his, his pocket it's like he probably okay. just carved it into his arm let's be honest that's true that's true so, maybe that's what thorn was it was a check on one of his lists right on his wrists <laughs> you know he was actually checking off right. something and people thought it was some you know druid symbol he's like no 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 that was just the the school list i just checked that off the thorn cult or just a bunch of like type A personalities. <laughs> just a lot of to do lists. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really funny. Oh boy. 
So Nurse Karen gets a buzz down the hall, ends up being Bud in a hospital bed, spooking her, and she almost breaks his finger, and he's trying to hook up with her room, and he's, you know, pity, oh, poor me. I can't leave the kids right now. But everybody's all worded out tonight. All this Michael Myers crap. Look, I just, I just want therapy rooms three doors down. I suppose if we left the door open, we, we could hear somebody was coming or one of the kids starting to cry. No, I, I've got to check it out first. Fifteen minutes. If everything's okay. You're wasting time. Because his finger needs a little therapy. Right. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> it's his other finger. <laughs> so uh laurie has a weird dream about blood dripping on the floor a woman saying she's not her mother and a young boy staring out a window wonder what that means we'll find out later i hate myself as a kid watching this that i never just obviously figured that out it's kind of weird the first time you see it you're like what the hell is Mm -hmm. Whatever. And then Bud and Karen begin hooking up in the whirlpool, and we see Michael crank the temperature up. Karen makes Bud go turn it down, and in the background, we humorously see Bud strangled by Michael silently, which is really well choreographed. And then Michael comes up, puts his hand on Nurse Karen's shoulder, who thinks it's Bud, and she begins sucking on his fingers, but turns around, realizes... Which is gross. Yeah, it's not she, uh, Michael, and then is dunked, drowned, and just her scalded it, yeah. with skin peeling off in a whirlpool by Michael... This is one of my favorite kill scenes in all of the Halloweens right here. This, this yeah. whirlpool sequence. And I got to put Pamela Susan Shoup's death up there with the uh, Night of the Demons Linnea Quigley scene where mm, she's ha- she's having sex with that guy and then her face turns just fucking nasty. And you're like, oh, oh my God, oh, yeah. oh my God. And then this is oh, just right like here. that where you're like, oh, wow, Pamela Susan Shoup's. Then she, you see her naked but with this ugly, scalded, almost realistic looking face from that it's like oh, you know gross. you know it's funny about that scene so well not funny but my first convention ever was in 2005 and i was walking it was at the end of the show um, one night and they were watching halloween 2 in the ballroom but i was standing out in the lobby area talking to dick warlock and pamela susan shoop we were talking we were just hanging out talking and all of a sudden i hear her go oh is that my death scene and we opened the doors and us three just sat there standing there watching her death scene and i'm like this is really weird because i'm standing there with the two people and we're watching her just getting murdered on screen in her boobs and stuff and it was just it was yeah. so bizarre but it was it was cool and i agree that death scene is like one of my favorites but i always thought it was interesting how he's dunking her but his hand's totally fine oh yeah leather yeah, yeah that's what i well you saw how yeah. dirty his hand was oh i, I mean, suck right. i'm like that's gross you know what oh, yeah. ben like, yeah he's eating dogs he's doing a little like everything like, like, just works in that scene, like from the the bud in the background being strangled where mm-hmm. you can't hear everything, to him to her, you're like gross. She's licking his finger to the the makeup work where she gets scalded. It just all just comes together really well. And her I agree. boobs. And her boobs. And Susan's shoops. <laughs> yep. And uh, after I think I was a kid after I'm like, what else is she in? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, nope. Stuff, but nothing, pretty much. <laughs> At the school, a cop shows them the break-in from the window to the wall? No, uh, a, a family <laughs> drawing with a knife in the sister, and the word Sam Hain is written in blood on the chalkboard, which Dr. Loomis gives us that definition. And then uh, the nurse from the first one, Marion, shows up, and uh, Dr. Loomis is like, I, did, I didn't recognize you. And she says, he, he's got to go. Governor has ordered a marshal to take him back to Smith's Grove. 
because for some reason it'd be a PR nightmare for Smith Grove about Michael breaking out. So too late on that. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy checks on Lori and notices she's zoned out and goes for help. Uh, Janet find, goes to find Dr. Mixter and finds a shower running, and then she sees him at his desk just sitting there, and she rolls the chair. He's got a syringe in his eye, and then from the darkness, Michael appears and stabs her in the temple with one, which, yeah. which is so a nice cool. homage to the first one when he's right. coming out of the darkness, and that really was yeah. extremely effective. He pulls back the plunger and just kind of looks down, and like you said before, you see his eyes, mm-hmm. and he just like mm-hmm. stabs into her temple. I mean, that's, that's pretty badass. Right. Yeah. My favorite thing from the first one is that slow fade of light on oh, the mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is the maybe the creepiest thing in the whole movie and my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm glad that they did it again. And it didn't just feel like a rehash. It was right. just it, mm-hmm. it just happened again. It, was, it wasn't as subtle as in the first one, but this movie isn't as slow or as subtle as the first one. So it's it, it fits. It's, it's fine. Uh, Jimmy and Jill are waiting at Lori's room and nobody's showing up. Jimmy goes to look for Mrs. Alves. Jill gets buzzed away from Lori's room, and Michael enters with a scalpel and stabs pillows to death. And Lori's escaping. He hates pillows. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he hates these pillows. He's like, next stop, Lori Strode. Lori's hobbling down the halls. Michael finds her on a monitor and walks on. Lori finds a room to hide and to hide in. And uh, at the school, Dr. Loomis is led out and says bye to Sheriff Hunt. As uh, Jill then looks for Mr. Garrett. The guard, Jimmy finds her, and they regroup to try to find Lori. I tell you what, writing this all down sounds like the dumbest shit. Like, Jimmy and Joe <laughs> run around. Jimmy and Joe regroup. Jimmy and Joe run around. Jimmy and Joe regroup. Yeah. Lori, like it's, It doesn't appear that way when you're watching it, but uh, I've written it down. I'm like, wow. It's like it's like pod people, where there's just people constantly searching for other people. Right. Like, right. Like, 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 like writing it down, it's like that, but when you watch it, it's, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. It kind of is, though, after you've seen it like a hundred times. It's like when you, I mean, and I'm not taking anything away from the movie, mind you. It's just, but you're right. When Honestly, when you watch it, it sort of feels that way a little bit. Because you're like, dude, Jimmy's just running around with his high tops all over the place. Right. He and just, just laps around everywhere. the hospital. Yeah. And meanwhile, all you keep seeing these intercuts of dripping blood. And you're like, what the hell is going on? You know? Yeah. Jimmy tells Jill she should uh, drive to the sheriff's station and get someone out there. He then finds Mrs. Alves on a table with her blood all drained from her. As he goes to run out, he slips on the blood and is knocked out as he hits his head on the ground. And Nurse Jill finds out all the cars in the parking lot have had their tires slashed, which I learned in this movie, if your tires are slashed, you can't change gears, apparently, and find, you know, nothing rolls at all. <laughs> it doesn't even turn on. No. I mean, no. It's pretty much linked to the entire car. And and when did he slash all those freaking tires? And uh, <laughs> make the and like, you know, rip out the transmission or whatever he did to make the cars not start. He's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. Well, that's why his hands are so damn dirty. They're covered oh, in like, grease. Oh, yeah. grease from the cars. That's true. That's what well, at least he's got the right outfit to be working on cars. So. Right, that's true. He... <laughs> You know, he is a mechanic after all. I mean, it's in, he's wearing the outfit. He go he goes in character on Halloween. That's what he does. Real he's got, real gearhead. He's got one of those little um those little sled things on wheels. He's going under cars. He's just scooting around with his toolbox. You know, like, you know. I could love to see the security cam footage of that. You know, scooting huh. around under cars, just doing stuff. <laughs> It'd be hilarious. Well, we'd be the only people to see it because no one at the hospital ever looked at the security cameras. Because Ever. there's no one at the hospital. 
<laughs> there's three people and they're either smoking weed or getting it out in the hot this tub. My... I want to go to that hospital is what I want to do. This is a drastically underfunded hospital. <laughs> yeah. It's like Studio 54 in there. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she goes back in. She sees Lori as she's crawling out of her room and is stabbed in the back by Michael and raised up high as she dies, her shoes fall off. I thought that was awesome. I thought that would be, oh, yeah. from Lori's perspective, that'd be scary as hell. But she's kind of that... drugged. She's like, oh, what's up? But just to see someone not, not just murdered, but lifted off the ground with one hand. That's... And he, he stabbed yeah. her with a scalpel, too. Yeah. Not a yeah. butcher knife, a scalpel. You don't get a lot of leverage in a scalpel, so that's 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 uh, some pretty good forearm strength along with, you know, good yeah. shoulders. He must just... work out. <laughs> uh, like Lori must have just a, just a terribly strong bladder or she's dehydrated because she should be pissing herself when she sees that. <laughs> the second chase of her Halloween night, 1978 begins and she limp runs as Michael slowly walks after her and they go through what appears to be like the basement of the hospital, uh, the same area where Mr. Garrett was and uh, he's hanging there now. Michael took some time to decorate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he was murdered, you know, with, with the hammer. So that means that he had to drag that enormous man and then hang him from the ceiling. Like what? Well, he's a really good interior designer. I mean, he's probably looking around, going, "You know what? This room needs needs a dead person hanging from the ceiling." There, I think this will this will really set it off. A little feng shui, you know. Yeah, there are two things I know about Michael Myers. He's our gearhead, and he's in the feng shui. Yeah, it's uh, true. He was out slashing tires. He's like, you know what? I should hang him up. I should go back. I should, yeah. Well, it's kind of like a dorm room where you have the the bed. You put that in a loft for more floor space. That's what he's doing with Mr. Garrett. He's making more floor space. It's true because that basement was pretty packed full of crap. So he's probably like, you know what? I can't just put him on the floor. Let's just hang him up here. It'd be nice. There's some cool sets and uh, places they go through this chase with some red lighting and some cages. She goes through like this high window. and then Which she... apparently Michael can't reach or even try to attempt to grab her ankle because the way he slashes at her feet with that scalpel, that dude was not even trying. He's just like, oh, oh you're there. I'm going to just kind of reach up now and oh, you're gone. Oh, crap. <laughs> like you really didn't make an effort. I'm really, really disappointed in there. Uh, well, I think just Michael, uh, not big on cardio. That's what's got to be going on because he walks super slow. And then when he gets up to the lorry, like you said, he's not making a huge effort. He's just got, he's really got to work on his breathing. That's true. Maybe he is just like winded at that point. He's like, Oh my God, stop. You're supposed <laughs> to be like, like limping. Why are you going so fast? <laughs> I've been murdering and breathing through a mask all night. I'm exactly. fatigued. <laughs> Plus I got stabbed in the eye earlier. Remember that you did that. Lori. <laughs> she gets in an elevator that closes on Michael's hand and note to note to kids. Uh, elevators didn't used to open right back up when it touched somebody or sent somebody that. So that was, that was realistic for, you know, 1978 is when this movie yeah. takes place. Mm-hmm. It was made in 81. So... In, in a hospital. Yeah. Screw safety. Screw safety. Because <laughs> I, I remember cause well, there was that old show Remington Steel back in the day that okay. I would watch. And when, in the opening credits, they'd always have that hand hanging out of the elevator and the door closing on it. And I was always like, oh, no. Because uh, elevators didn't open like they mm-hmm. do now. She gets to the parking lot and hides in a car. In the marshal's car, 
Marion tells Loomis that Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister, and the records of her adoption had been sealed off till that night. Loomis fires, uh, you know, his warning shot, <laughs> and uh, the marshal makes the marshal turn around, take him to the hospital. Where's the hospital located? Dr. Loomis, we're under orders from the governor. It's back on Route 17, about three miles. Turn this car around now. I can't do that. I've got orders. Those orders just change. Dr. Loomis. Doctor, you're getting yourself into a lot of trouble. What does you fellas usually do? Fire a warning shot, right? If I was Loomis, I'd be pretty pissed because, like, the nurse says, oh, they should have let you have access to everything. Like, yeah, they should have. Because <laughs> He was like, I had access to the first script, and it was never in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he had. <laughs> and it, after he fires that warning shot, like, right in that guy's ear with a revolver, he'd been like, I can't hear you now, dude. Like, we are... Uh, yeah, my eardrums are bleeding, so, yeah. What have I got to lose except my job, you know? <laughs> and my life, apparently. Spoiler yeah. alert. Uh, Jimmy, Wait a minute, what? Jimmy gets in the car with Lori, and he's woozy, tries to start it, and passes out on the, the horn. Uh, she gets out of the car and sees Loomis and company arrive, but she can barely muster out a scream until they get in the hospital. Michael pops out to give chase. She's able to get there, bang on the door, they let her in. They lock the door, but Michael walks right through it. Just walks. He didn't even charge. Just walks. Yeah. I, I love this whole scene, just her dragging along the ground and screaming. I think that's that, that there's help just right in front of you, but you can't get to it. Because she's still screwed up from the... Uh, she's got medication. The... She hasn't really talked it... all night. She's listened to Jimmy Yammer and whispered. Yeah, exactly. And... and her nails on the ground, too, are great. Like You hear them really oh, yeah. scraping. Mm-hmm the asphalt and it, it, it's a little unnerving i mean it's not like a, a blackboard thing but it's like it's very very unnerving because you hear her just trying so hard i mean she's a great actress anyway mm-hmm. so yeah. just the how may it's like whoa and then he yeah. just pops out in that red light and you're like yeah oh shit it's on yeah i i really think that the the, the final chase here is almost on par with the first one i think i when i watched i mean when i watched it as a kid no, my, my, heart, agree, my yeah. heart was racing when it became just Lori and michael i was like wow this is close to how i was feeling with the first one and mm-hmm. michael gets in there he gets shot down loomis tells Marion to go radio this end at the car the marshal keeps dicking around with michael's body though he's told not to <laughs> so michael gets up slices his throat and then loomis and Lori escape into a room in the hospital that's full of uh, tanks of oxygen <laughs> nitrous i Ether. Ether. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael beats through a door to get in there. Uh, Loomis gives Lori the gun that she has his gun, but she didn't want it. Michael stabs Dr. Loomis. Lori then picks up the gun and fires in both eyes. I don't care how unrealistic that is. It's awesome because that's the, some Annie Oakley shit right there. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. The, like the bloody tears, uh, Michael. I, I love that. I don't care how it's it's cinema. This is a movie about a guy who yeah. was shot a bunch and felt like this is fine. I don't care. I'm with but the but movie. real. I mean, but ser- I I agree with you. But there is still that part of me. It's like okay, wait a minute. You got shot in the <laughs> yeah. eyes, Perfect right shots. in the eyes. But the eyes are still there. Where did that bull go exactly? Because that was point blank. So his head should have been pretty much meat yeah. pouring out of his you know i mean listen i get it, it you're right it's cinema i yeah. love the fact when he looks up and he just kind of looks up and then blood comes down like blood tears i mean it's beautiful he don't yeah. don't get me wrong it's beautiful but i'm like what happened well, well you know dr <laughs> loomis did say this is no man so i don't know it's yeah. true but i mean 
well, does bleed. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what is that? Like, a, not even a 22? Is that like a BB with, like, you know, some gunpowder <laughs> shot or something? True. You know? Maybe maybe it grazed him. Like, got inside the mask, but grazed oh, like him on both cool sides. Oh, like Cool J and H2O. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Graze me, yeah. baby. No, dude, you are done for. <laughs> no, no, people were mad at test screening, so we brought you back. Here you go. Right, right. I imagine that the Thorn Cult have something to do with the bloody ah, tears. Slowed the bullet down and then it diverted past his eyes. I get what you're saying. You okay. <laughs> Michael just starts swiping aimlessly with the scalpel. Loomis starts letting gas out of the tanks. Lori joins in, then tells her to leave. Uh, she does, and my and then Loomis says, It's time, Michael. And lights, Sheriff hunts Zippo, and the room explodes. And Lori watches the flames. Michael appears, but he falls flat on his face to an apparent death. <laughs> Completely engulfed in flames. Oh, yeah. What is he? There's just nothing but adrenaline at that point, That's right? That's the one last scare. It's what, you know, it's like, oh, he's... I, oh. I love the fact that the burns back then, you know, you, had, you, you couldn't do them like you can now where, mm-hmm. you know, you can almost not necessarily not have anything on you, but it's more realistic now where back then you had to be in like this huge like space suit. Right. So when he comes yeah. walking out, he looks like an astronaut on fire and you're like, whoa, you just gained like 50 pounds there, dude. And why do you look like a mummy? Luckily, <laughs> you know? luckily, I mean, I've seen, I've seen, you know, I've seen where like, of course, like Freddie in the first Elm Street when he's on fire looks worse, but he's at least consumed in flames. You're That's like, maybe true. some of that no, weight totally, is, some yeah. of that weight is huge mm-hmm. flame. I mean, we could tell it's, you can tell he's got these big gloves on fully. I feel bad for that stunt man, man. That's, that's a I lot think, of flames. I think you actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think you actually see him after he falls, hit the ground to uh, signal people to come in and, and extinguish him. I think that might be, I feel like I remember seeing that. But either way, yeah, no, it's totally effective. And the fact, you know what I love is when it blows up, the camera shakes. And that, 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 that was, I think, I mean, I'm sure they didn't plan it that way, but the fact that that explosion had so much concussive force that the camera shook, oh, yeah. I think it added an element. I think it's something that, like, fake in movies now, but, like, that was a real thing. And it was like, whoa, you almost felt that impact. I thought that was kind of cool. That, yeah, that is true. That's that's genuine. The next morning, Marion helps wheel Lori out to the ambulance as Dana Carvey follows. Trying to that's get where he was? Well, he's in two scenes. He's first, when they get to the Wallace house, there's that reporter talking to a guy about, you know, ask the people this. As he's the guy she's talking to. He's got he's mm-hmm. got a Marty McFly vest, a flannel, yeah. and a trucker hat is what he has. And, and then right, um, I, know, I know he's in this, and I completely forgot about it as I was watching it. And then I saw him in the credits. Like, ah, crap, I forgot to look for him. They added him. So he's I don't think he was in the original credits. I think they added him later. Mm-hmm. So he's acted in several movies with Mike Myers, is what you're saying. That's right, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> this, this one he was Ba-dum-bum. testing the waters. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Salmon plays, the ambulance goes away, Michael continues to burn, and Lori looks on. And then the credits. That was Halloween 2. And in the TV version, yeah, uh, we, someone sits up, uh, and it's Jimmy, yeah. And she goes, we made it! We made it! Yeah. Which my wig made it. Uh, which speak, I was gonna bring up the TV version. So you've you've seen the TV mm. version, right? Yeah. Which is a catastrophe of enjoyable proportions if you're a fan of the film because it's. Oh my god! Nurse Jill is batshit crazy in the TV version, yeah. and even the scene where the um the marshal gets killed, there's like a more of a fight there. There's there's, ad- some there's weird a lot stuff of going on the TV. Added dialogue, which hurts the movie because all the actors that. These these people aren't that bad, but if you see like any of the deleted scenes or the or like this TV version, their extended dialogue sucks and they are bad. 
Like, there's a lot of just hubbub. Hey, uh, you see Laurie Strode's in that room over there? Yeah, wow, that's good. Like, it's all nonsense talking. And the movie's structured differently. Like, that scene where the Elrods and the girl doesn't happen till way later in the film. It happens after Ben Tramer gets smashed and blown up. That's, in the car. Yeah. That's super weird. That, and, that's and, not fitting at all. And then they they put all these like inserts of like still frames of Michael Myers in random spots. Yeah, and him walking down those stairs like several yeah, times. They're from completely different scenes. Like the uh, Mrs. Elrod when she turns around to find the blood and no knife, she turns around that's and sees right. a still frame of Michael Myers from the hospital. That's right. <laughs> He's turning his head. Yeah. That's the flashback from Lori doesn't happen until after it's revealed to Dr. Loomis. And there's a voiceover going, don't hurt me, brother. Please, brother. Don't look at me like that. And they show, and they can't show the blood. So it's just a, like, almost like a gif of Michael Myers, like turning from the window and going back constantly. And there's just, it's, a, it's so, there's different musical cues. Like when, oh, when Mr. Garrett's about to open the door to reveal Michael behind it, they decide to like, I don't know, flashback and show michael walking down the hall entering a door going downstairs walking around like <laughs> it's like what in the world is going on it is such a mess oh three people don't die in it uh jill dr mixter and mrs alves do not die in the tv jill cut. doesn't die in the tv or no cut? janet i'm sorry janet janet because janet they cut the scene where janet goes to find dr mixter that's right that's it's, right it's gone and then mrs alves all you see is when the explosion happens Jimmy slips. Mm-hmm. Then they add Jimmy slipping in the blood and falling. That's right. Like he was falling because of the explosion. Yeah, he never. Uh, I don't think Laurie ever hides in the car, and Jimmy never comes in the car. And Jimmy, the whole this whole movie, if you think him running around's bad in the theatrical, in the TV version, that's all he does. And there's added scenes of him running around huh. the hospital. It is fascinating. Like I, it's someone completely different edited it, and it's. It just the scenes don't go in the same order. There's added dialogue, and it's not not good stuff. You're just like, wow. I feel bad for anyone whose first time seeing this was on TV. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I don't know that. I, I know I've seen the TV version uh, from beginning to end a while ago, but I I mean I've I've since really just watched the TV scenes just on their own. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'd be interested now to go back and watch it from from beginning to end just to see what kind of a hot mess it is yeah i watched i watched it a couple years ago because i the 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 shout factory blu-ray came with the tv i'm like why did they that's right why did they just put deleted scenes on there and then i i popped it in and watched it i was like oh this is why this so is that in succession then is that beginning to end it's not yeah it's pulled out so yeah it's the actual i'm gonna have to do that because i have that one too but i think the one that i saw before was the universal release okay yeah um, before shout factory yeah they put some scenes and some of those scenes weren't even in the tv version so there's even even more that's right yeah because they were different takes of some of the same scenes yeah so yeah the tv version my old blog naptown nerd i did 31 days of halloween where i wrote a piece on the series and stuff for 31 days and covered the TV version of Halloween two on there too. Cause it's just, it's amazing. I can't, it's gotta be seen to be believed. And if you're, if you know the movie very well, it's just, wow. It's comedic. I love that they did that. Like, I just think it's 
so wild because it's it's because it's a movie that I mean I'm sure you guys too like seen so many times and then when you see all these extra stuff it's like it's just cool like I would I would yeah. love to see extra stuff from other movies that they didn't film you know like if they would film TV scenes or just mm-hmm. the deleted scenes or whatever you know like they more stuff recently, from those movies Warner Brothers put out <laughs> Superman the from the original TV airing back in like. 80 or 81 oh yeah it's, it was a two-night event so they beefed it up and it's three hours long but it's got a lot of stuff that never made any like the theatrical cut or the extended cuts they just put that out like a couple weeks ago and that's that's a really cool thing to have isn't I, that on the same disc with the donner cut or something for part two or something uh well no they um they put i think they put the extended cut on it's it's a brand new release because i was like why would why are they releasing this and, yeah. and then i looked it up I'm like oh it's the three hour tv version that someone found negatives for recently oh interesting said it was, okay they said it was gone forever and unless you wanted someone's vhs bootleg of it and then they found negatives of it and put it together and tried to uh color time it and they they ended up they made a branching version where you can just watch the extended cut or you can watch the three-hour version so. oh i might have to get that anyway that, that sounds pretty cool so, yeah. does it start does it start with the narrator that you never know who it is and a bunch of still frames with the history of stuff that doesn't really matter that goes on for a really long time it might if that's in the tv three-hour tv version well i assume that's how every extended tv version starts for a movie <laughs> right mm. oh he's referring to dune i'm referring to dune yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone notice when they were putting a lorry in the ambulance and they have, you know, all the, all the people in front of the hospital that one of the, like, I guess it was a news van for, I'm assuming a TV station. It was W W A R. So there's a station called W war. That's right. <laughs> Did you guys, it is Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. I, I just saw that like, God, who would, who would name their station W War? You know what that station's good for? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Unit <laughs> calling, identified. Marion Chambers with Dr. Loomis at the clinic. He's here. Uh, 10-4, unit calling, identified suspect. Michael Myers, just get your ass over here. Now comes the portion in the episode where we rate the film we just watched. As we are a cult cinema cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. Our ratings are as follows. Uh, Stay with your family, which means uh, you're going to sit out trick-or-treating tonight. You're not going to go. You're too cool for it. Uh, You don't like Halloween, too. Converted, which means uh, you possibly believe Michael Myers is still out there. Um, You'll follow Loomis on the chase. Or drink the Kool-Aid, which means... I guess you're all about the bud in the whirlpool. So, Ben, how do you rate Halloween 2? Oh, I'm drinking that Kool-Aid. I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. Uh, no, I love it because it it just has a great feel to it. it it's I like it. <clears throat> it feels like Halloween 1, but it's got a lot of the tropes of the slasher films that I love too. So it's like, well, I mean, really, the first time you see Michael Myers is like a atypical 80s slasher, and I thought that was really cool and for you know again before halloween 4 came out you know there was what seven years between there two and four uh, obviously three in the middle but i those seven years that's i all i had was to watch halloween one and two and as much as i mean again halloween one is my favorite movie of all time i would find myself popping in halloween two a lot because probably because it was just easy and fun to watch it was it wasn't really a slow burn there was stuff happening right from the beginning and uh 
it just kind of follows. It's like it's like watching a. It sounds silly to say, but it's like watching a slasher movie with Michael Myers in it. Whereas the first one didn't really. I mean, it's a slasher if you look back on it, but it doesn't. You know, it's it's a great, wonderfully made movie. Whereas two is just like let's just grab some popcorn, let's just watch this guy kill a bunch of people and uh, have fun with it. And it's and it's got some silly, weird things in it that are just a little off, like Mrs. Elves and blood and. All these, like, even the the Elrod thing, like, just some odd quirks to it that make it kind, it kind of endearing. So it, it just, I don't know. I've always, I've always loved putting that one on during the Halloween season. It's great. I'm gonna jump in here, Cullen, and because my obvi- answer is obvious, I drink the Kool Aid too on Halloween too, and it's almost there with the first one, but it's slightly off. There's like something like. You know, just you know, there's a different hand directing it. It's been many years, but with its slasher contemporaries that it's going up against, it's one of the best still. Like it proved, like it comes back and says, "Hey, you know," he didn't say "get off my lawn," but he's like, "Hey, look, I, I'm the king of the neighborhood here still." Um, with Michael returning, it's got a lot of cool. It's got some of my favorite deaths. It's got fun characters that I remember, regardless whether I like them or not. You know, you can't forget Bud. You can't forget Nurse Karen, Jill. <laughs> Uh, J- Janet is annoying as Dr. Mixter and Mr. Garrett, as <laughs> she is. I mean, down to like the little people in this movie, they're all memorable. Loomis gets a little more campier here. The only downfall is like Laurie Strode is in a hospital bed until it's time for that final chase, doing pretty much nothing. But it's it, the funny thing is, until someone really pointed that out to me like a long time ago, I was like, oh, I didn't never really noticed. I never really thought about it that way. But I think it's one of the best Halloween sequels, and every you know, every October, I will at least try to get in one, two, and four. So it's on my list of, of watching, and I really enjoy this movie. I mean, Michael's not as good as the first one. He's more stuntman, stiltish, but I think Dick Warlock gives you enough to remind you of that first one as a pretty good Michael Myers. So, Colin, how do you rate Halloween 2? When I think of Halloween 2, it kind of reminds me of, well, um, with the first Halloween and the second Halloween, it reminds me of, like Superman one and Superman two, where the first film is, you know, that's a better film, but the second one is a bit more fun. That's not to say that I don't like all four of those movies I've just mentioned, but there's just a little bit of difference. It's, it's, it is very much the same character, but it, it does feel just a little slightly, just a little slightly different. There's still everything that you like about that first one in here. Like you, when you see, Michael in the background, he walks out of uh, of the nursery and you see like the nurse is talking and he just like walks across the hall. That is so, ah, it's so creepy and scary. It's like, he's right, th- the murderer is right there. And, you know, and there's stuff where you see um, one of the nurses when she's at the Mr. Garrett station looking for him. He's not there. And then you see Michael like walk on the security footage. Like he's, he's literally down the hall. That stuff just happens a little bit here and a little bit there. And it's just, Oh, it's so, it's, it's really good. It's really creepy. There's still, it's different enough from the first one. That's not just a rehash. And, but there is some goofy stuff in it. Like you guys said about Loomis, where uh, I feel like every time that he talks, it's a speech about how crazy (laughs) Michael is, but you know what? I don't care. I love it. Um, so I, I definitely drink the Kool-Aid on this one. And yeah, you mentioned that hospital as unrealistic as it is. The only guest there is Lance. Oh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was horrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but it, it, 
at least looks really creepy, even though the lighting's unrealistic. And there's nobody there, mm-hmm. but like it's it's a well, dreadful place. And I never, I'm so in tune to the characters and the creepiness dread of Michael Myers. I'm not paying attention to how you know unpopulated it is until like the eighth time you watch it, and you're like, oh yeah, there are no people here. Yeah, it's an emergency room on Halloween. There's going to be a lot of people there. If nothing else, just people being drunk. I'm surprised there are weren't more be people there. from Dr. Mixter's party getting their stomachs yeah. or something. Seriously. We're getting treated for an STD. They found three bodies. Where? Across the street from the Doyle house. Three kids. The one was Annie. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing Malibu Express. It's our first Andy Sedaris film since Hard Ticket to Hawaii. And since last year, we were thankful for Neil Breen in the month of November. This year, we're going to be thankful for Mr. Sedaris. Also, keep your eyes peeled as we probably won't let Halloween go past without doing some sort of special episode. And speaking of special episodes, Halloween time. There's been no shortage of Cullen and I in the podcast sphere with specials out on out now with Aaron and Abe featuring us like the, uh, the child's play commentary we did. And, uh, we're on Screenland squadrons episode talking the last 10 years of horror. So find those, check those out. We're there. And, uh, thank you for listening and thank you for coming on, Ben. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. This Appreciate is great. It's a lot um, of fun. Do you want to pe- uh, tell people where your site's at, your social media, you like them to follow and anything you got? Yeah, upcoming? you can, sure. You can check us out at frightrags.com. It's fright hyphen rags.com all social media is just at fright rags and that's just one word fright rags so twitter instagram facebook even snapchat and yeah so we're we've just released our halloween stuff so we've, we're kind of winding down the halloween season here we've got one more new release well, actually two more new releases before the month is up we've got some a couple jigsaw shirts coming out next week for the new movie and we've also got a uh, special Serial Monsters, uh, General Mills Serial Monsters shirt coming out uh, next Wednesday. So be on the lookout for those. And then as we head into November, we've got an entire Creep Show collection coming out. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, I'm she- excited. Sh- Shelly the 13th <laughs> was brilliant. That was great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that, we, we love that one. That was that was near and dear to my heart. So Well, we look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to Malibu Express, the trailer that actually trails. Meet Cody Abilene, a private eye with an adoring public. He's an undercover operator. Hi, I'm May, and this is my friend, Faye. Yeah! This is the Countess, a government agent with her own special skills. And together, they're both headed for danger on the Malibu Express. This is Kingy. In the world of high rollers, low blows, and... Sorry, babe, but I gotta have some water. The FBI wants him back. No one should suspect anything. The Russians want him dead. I understand you're a private investigator. And Cody Abilene always gets his girl. So park your car, hide your guns. They just got another case. He's hard to catch. He's my 
are continental. Hard to keep. Scoot your butts outside. Hard to figure. Starring Sybil Danning, Darby Hinton, and five Playboy Playmates. I didn't just bring you in for sex. I have a few things to fill you in on. Make tracks for the Malibu Express. No matter where you're headed, it goes all the way. Would I help any woman in distress? Yes, ma'am, I would. listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker, edited by Brandon Peters, narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Death is... Mayonnaise on your sandwich?